Hi, this is Courtney with RealFoodTraveler.com. We're here for another Real Food Real podcast. And today I'm on the phone with Paula Lagar, who is with Sage Creations Organic Farm in Grand Junction, Colorado. There's a lavender festival coming up at the end of June into early July in Grand Junction, and we're going to be there. Um, but ahead of time, we wanted to find out a little bit more about lavender farming, if that's even the correct term for it, and a little bit more about the lavender scene in Grand Junction. So welcome, Paula. Thank you for talking to us today. Why don't we go ahead and, and start with you telling us what your title is and your, your role there at SAGE. Well, I'm Paula. I'm the owner of SAGE Creations Organic Farm. We're actually located in Palisade, Colorado, um, which is just next door to Grand Junction. It's uh, where a lot of the peaches and uh, wine grapes are growing as well as lavender. Great. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, so explain what lavender is. I mean, is it a flower? Is it a shrub? Uh, lavender is, uh, the, the lavender plant is a shrub. It's a semi-woody shrub, and it flowers. And it actually belongs to the mint family. It's a, we consider it an herb. Okay. You said the mint family? Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's That's interesting. Tell me a little bit about the history of lavender and how it was used back in days of yore. Well, for centuries, lavender has been distilled for its oil and used in perfumes, cosmetic products, aromatherapy, ointments and tinctures, and in food processing. Um, the ancient Egyptians used this herb in their mummification process and constructed stills to extract the essential oil. Mm-hmm. And the Romans routinely used it, lavender and perfumed oils for bathing, for cooking, and to freshen the air. There have been 2,500 years of recorded use. It's unsure where the plant actually originated from, but the history does show that lavender has been cultivated and grown wild in France, Spain, Italy since 600 B.C. Its first arrival to North America was brought by pilgrims in the 1600s. And this is about the time that lavender was introduced to England on a commercial level. So over the centuries, it's been used therapeutically in, in soothing baths and washings, and it's been used as a calming agent and inhaled to relieve headaches and dizziness. It, the herbal lore has been validated with modern medicine. Um, the oil contains chemical compounds that have been shown to be natural, antiseptic, and ineffective in fighting against um, hyperactivity and insomnia. So it goes way back. There's um, a lot of history behind the herb. Now that's that's amazing that it goes back so far, and that there are so many uses for it. That's really impressive from one simple but lovely plant. How did you get into the lavender biz? Well, I uh, moved to Palisade 13 years ago, and we when we bought our property, there was a cherry orchard here, and I was looking for an alternative crop to also grow on the land other than just peaches, since we're really known for peaches in this area. And I had herb background and farming background, and I thought it would be an interesting plant to try. The high, you know, high, we're basically in the high desert. Um, it likes dry, you know, it comes from the Mediterranean, so it definitely thrives in dry, rocky, in rocky soils and a dry climate. So I just started experimenting and um, started with a few plants and different cultivars to see what would, would work here in our area. And that's 
then the rest is history. It kind of grew from there. What do you love about working with lavender? Um, I love it because of all the possibilities it hands and all the different colors and aromas that you experience in working with the plant. Uh, we process part of the part of our crop for and distill it for the essential oils, and then we also grow other cultivars that are great to cook with. Um, so it's just its many uses and the many things that you can incorporate, um, whether it be in food or in bath and body products. It's such a diverse herb and has so much character. It's it's definitely has like this addictive appeal to it. You just want to keep trying more things. And there's hundreds of different cultivars and many species. Uh, we can grow about three species in our area and two of the species which are very widely used commercially um, are the X intermedias or what's considered the lavendins or the hybrids and the uh, angustifolias which are the true English lavenders. And so that being said that on a commercial level, there's a lot to do um, with those two particular species, whether you're distilling it or whether you're going to be cooking with it. Mm. My mom plants tomatoes, and she has an heirloom variety, and she'll only plant that one variety of tomato because she's afraid of getting cross-pollination if she grows another type. Is that a concern with lavender since there are so many different types? You can get, you can get cross pollination uh, with some of the angustifolias, the true English lavender. It's not so much a concern across plants. That if things, if things, uh, some of the English lavender will self seed, and then you can get some cross pollination that way. I'm not too concerned about it in my growing practices. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to keep them super separated or anything to prevent that. And not, you know, if you really want to trace with some of the English, you may need to do that. Um, but I don't. I'll have a block of lavendins next to a block of a particular type of English lavender. And you don't have to worry about cross-pollination amongst those two species. Um, it's more amongst within the cultivar. Interesting. Um, so what are some of the bigger challenges that you face growing lavender? Well, I would say getting into the business of lavender, and especially in the state of Colorado, it's just education. It's really educating the consumer and the public about the benefits of lavender and how to use lavender, whether it be in the essential oil form or in a culinary form. And that's, you know, a big challenge is because you want to sell your crop, but in doing so, you need to teach people on how to use it. Um, and that, that's, a, that's been a challenge. I think it's definitely come a long way since when I first started. And it's gotten easier and, and people are more and more aware of it. But you do need to always be thinking about how you're going to teach your consumer on the uses. And as far as other challenges, um, you know, we're in, a, we're in a great climate to grow lavender. It's it's dry. We don't get too much rainfall, um, which is good for lavender, and especially during bloom time. We don't have some of the challenges that other parts of the country have in terms of uh, rain and too much rain. It's a, uh, lavender is a drought-tolerant plant. I think the issue is, you know, one of my biggest challenges are the weeds, those controlling weeds. But, I would, you know, I'd say those are the primary ones. Okay. 
you, you've touched on this a little bit. I was going to ask you how lavender is used today, but I, now I'm more curious how, how your farm uses it. So if somebody visits, well, first of all, can somebody visit your farm? Yes, yes. We are open to the public. Um, basically, we just opened last week, and we're, we're open through mid-September. And we start out our season with plants, so we offer a lot of different lavender plants. Um, we have a very large selection. And then our bloom time, which is nice, we offer you pick. People can come out and pick bundles and just enjoy a lavender field. And that's for our bloom time is about mid-June and goes through July. So they can visit and learn, learn about lavender and see how it's grown. We process everything here on the farm. And so if we're distilling, people can see that as well. And as far as the uses, we, um, We'll distill the essential oil. We'll, we'll sell, you know, straight the essential oil, but they'll also add it into our bath and body products like soaps and healing balms. And in the dried form, which is really nice, you can use it for sachets and crafting. And then there's the lavender, certain cultivars of lavender that are great to cook with, so we'll incorporate that into season, seed like uh, herb blends. Jam, we do a really nice jam where we add lavender. We, since we grow sweet cherries, we incorporate the lavender with our sweet cherries. So our, you know, the way we use it is very personal to our farm and what we grow, but we try to incorporate it on many different levels. So it sounds like there's uh, a lot of re- different reasons to keep coming back and seeing some of the, the new offerings as the season goes on. Definitely, yeah. We, like, we start with plants and then we go with our bloom time, which is the same time we have our fruit, and so then there's the U-pick time, and mm-hmm. it's definitely an extended season in that regard. And is, so is there a period where your farm is closed to the public, like over the winter? Yeah, we are. We close, basically, um, we're closed in October. We do take appointments if people are in town, and we'll take appointments in October, but we pretty much are closed through the winter, and then start up again in April. But as far as us working, we, we're working here through the fall and through the late winter. We we have about two months where we can take it easy. Since we have greenhouses that run year-round, then we are minimally have some greenhouse work during the winter. But it definitely slows down for us. Good. So you, you get a break. January. It sounds like you totally deserve a break. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> We're definitely ready for a break okay. when it comes, for sure. So the, the Grand Junction and Palisade area is really known for its fruit trees, fruit orchards, and the wine. And, and so the, even though I live in Colorado, the lavender scene was a little bit of a surprise to me. Why is it a benefit? Uh, you know, why is lavender a great crop to grow in and amongst having orchards and having vineyards? Well, I, I think as I mentioned earlier, our climate is very conducive to growing lavender. The benefits as far as it's a nice uh, complement to the fruit from the agritourism point of view because I think wineries bring people and the peach orchards bring people and I think that lavender businesses can as well. And so, you know, being in that same region in the same area, I think it's a it's a huge benefit for our local economy and for agritourism. Fruit is definitely... a a trickier crop in the sense that 
you get these late, I would say, or early spring freezes. And so you're more susceptible to losing your crop when you have fruit, like peaches or cherries. Whereas lavender, um, not so much. It's, it's pretty, for the species that we grow, they're fairly cold hardy for our climate. Uh, our farm's at 4,800 feet. We're in a zone five growing area, zone five. And so the two main species that we grow can withstand the, that climate. So it makes it a little bit easier in that sense. Um, and it's a nice compliment because a lot of times lavender actually comes on before the peaches. So it's a nice uh, compliment that way in terms of having a crop earlier in the season is always beneficial as a farmer and and also for the consumer, you know, the, the person that's traveling in this area to experience not just the fruit, but also be able to experience lavender when they come. And in terms of starting up a farm or, or a agritourism business down there, doesn't doesn't lavender become ready to harvest much sooner than a fruit tree or grapevine would? Yes, it does. It, um, it comes before the peaches, and for the most part, and so that's beneficial. Um, it extends that agritourism. Um, it comes for us. We have sweet cherries, so it starts. They both start at the same time. Pretty much when our bean cherries are ready to harvest, our first lavender is ready to harvest as well. But wine grapes come later. They will be in the fall. And so that it, it does create a nice succession of crops. Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes earlier than the, the fruit trees for the most part. That's nice. Now, the, the Grand Junction Lavender Festival is, if I've got my dates right, June 30th to July 1st in 2018. So if when people come there, because they're going to hear this and they're going to want to come down, I'm just sure, what can they expect when they come visit? It's, it's I should say it's in the... A lot of it's in Palisade, but it's also in Grand Junction. It's a three-day event. It's very, um, very interesting and educational and a lot of fun things to do that weekend. The Friday, there's a organized bus tour to different farms and um, businesses, and every year we'll have a different theme. And so this year, the bus tour theme is from plant to body, and so every stop will highlight a different stage of the lavender. So we'll, when the first stops will, will be all about the plant, how you grow lavender, and then will be how you can incorporate lavender into a body product and how you can incorporate lavender into a culinary product. And so each stop will have a different will highlight each aspect of lavender. And Saturday is in the park at uh, or community park in, Pal- in the town of Palisade, and there'll be many different vendors. There'll be wreath-making classes, workshop um, that people can participate in. Then Sunday is an open kind of open house tour where different farms will be open all day, having their own kind of activities and events at, at their locations. And people will have a map as to where to go. We do have a lavender association who organizes the the lavender festival has a website and it's coloradolavender.org and the itinerary, a lot of the itinerary is on the website and also how to purchase tickets for certain activities the festival in the park is free entry so you just pay for if you want to participate in any workshops those are separate you, you buy tickets for that and the same thing with the bus tour so there's a lot of different activities in it 
you can see different farms and businesses that are working with lavender. Oh, it sounds wonderful. I can't wait to come down there. And we will be covering it live on social media when when we're down there. Our listeners um, to our podcast and our readership, realfoodtraveler.com, come from all over the country and really all over the world. So for those who have not been to the Grand Junction Palisade area, what are some of the other things that they can do when they're down there for the festival? Well, there's a ton to do, just so your listeners understand uh, where Palisade and Grand Junction is, it's the western part of the state. It's what we call the western slope, so it's the western side of the Rockies. There's a lot of, like I said, fruit growing, there's wineries, the, bike, the biking is incredible, both road biking and mountain biking, both the mountain biking in Palisade and Grand Junction, the National Monument, which is beautiful kind of red rock country. There's all kinds of mountain biking there, and then there's Ross and Yerfruta, which is worldwide known for mountain biking as well. Kind of like the wineries to visit, especially in the Palisade area, we have what we call wine and fruit loop. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole circuit that somebody could either bike or go by car and visit different farm stands, different wineries um, that are open to the public. So it's a lot of fun. We're on the Colorado River runs through um, both Palisade and Grand Junction. So there's rafting and kayaking. There's a lot to do. It's definitely, you can make easily a whole week out of between the festival and just doing other things as well, whether you like to hike or bike or visit restaurants or wineries, breweries. We have uh, some breweries, too, distiller, a very uh, famous distillery right in Palisade. That's awesome. That's great. It's a, such a beautiful area. I have to ask, since you grow lavender, why is your business called Sage Creations? <laughs> um, well, it's a play on words. Sage meaning wise and kind of well thought out in terms of the creations that we make. Um, we do grow sage as well. But we also, of course, we have about five acres in lavender. And we're certified organic, so we're always thinking about sustainability and everything that we do, whether it be farming or greenhouse, greenhouses um, and our plants that we propagate and grow. So everything is trying to be mindful in, in what we do and how we do it. And that's where the word sage comes in. Well, those are all excellent reasons to have that name that makes Total sense now. And my last question for you as we wrap up is how can people learn more about you and your products and the farm and be able to come see you? Well, we do have a website, sagecreationsorganicfarm.com. There's a lot of information about us and also about lavender. And and we are, um, our contact information is all there, our phone number email. You can communicate that way with us. And as far as where we're located, we're at 3555 E Road in Palisade and we're in an area called East Orchard Mesa, which is south of the Colorado River. And that's where a lot of the tree fruit and wine grapes are grown. And it's a beautiful drive up to East Orchard Mesa. So that in itself is a fun thing to do when you're coming into town. Well, thank you so much for calling us today and and being part of the podcast. And I can't wait to come meet you in person when I'm down there at the festival. And certainly I encourage all our Real Food Traveler listeners and readers to 
come to Grand Junction. There is an airport there. It's pretty easy to either drive from the Denver International Airport. It's a beautiful drive. There's also a train that goes, and you can fly, too. I've done that, and it's a gorgeous and, and brief flight from Denver's airport. So I, I think everybody should come to Grand Junction and Palisade this summer and check things out and certainly come come say hello to you. So be sure if you go to uh, meet Paula at Sage Creations Organic Farm, you let her know that that you heard about it on the Real Food Traveler podcast. So, Paula, thank you again for your time, and we will see you this summer. Great. Well, thank you for having me, and I look forward to meeting you and seeing all your listeners out here in Palisade.